You spend time before him in awe. He starts changing you and you step out. Your will impacted, your call to action impacted. And as you engage for him, you are a light in this world. God's word rocking you. God has a plan. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, man, whether we're rallying here together in person or you're joining us a live stream. It is all about Jesus Christ. We are rallied together to make much of him. And we're in a series here called Obey. This series is Obey, Valuing in God's Word. It's understanding what God's Word says. It's taking God's Word to heart. It's following through on God's call for us and worshiping Him along the way, right? We've talked a lot in this series about God's Word being trustworthy and perfect and true and right. We talked about God's Word being fully sufficient, that it is absolutely all we need to equip us unto every good work. And so as we've dived into God's word and learned more about those details, then turning it over to what does it mean to go trust his word and lean on his word. We talked last week about taking some time to dive into God's word, encountering God's word, to go through this observation where we're understanding it, putting it in our own words, observation, and then being able to find principles, timeless truths of who God is, this principle like a bridge to take us from their world into our world, and then application. So how do I go about applying that into my life now? This OPA, this approach, OPA, as we looked at it last week. And so this week, we're now going to kind of round the whole picture out and go after together what it looks like to have life change. Have you ever been walking through your life and found yourself in a spot where you were like, this is not how I want it to go. This is not what I want it to be. God, I am trying so hard and I am just not getting this done. The change isn't happening in me. It's not staying. God, what am I doing wrong? Have you ever been there? Have you ever, have you ever been there? Yes. Right, we've all been there, right? Don't leave me hanging up here, right? We've been there. It's a tough one, right? And we have a hard time as we wrestle through these moments saying, God, how does this work? And so today we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be changed and transformed? How do we go after that transformation in our lives, all right? That's what we're going after, a real, biblical, God-empowered change in our life. What does that look like? How do we go after it? So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 16. We're going to actually be in two different passages throughout the day, but this is the first one. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 16. And point number one is transformation power, right? There's power that we need to know about. Transformation power. Behold the glory of the Spirit to experience true heart change. Behold the glory of the Spirit to experience true heart change. The power in our change is not in us trying to force it. The power in our change is not in us trying to muscle it along the way. The power in our change is actually in the glory of the Holy Spirit pouring over us. And as we bask in his glory, he changes us. It's his power, it's his glory that is our hope. Ready? And all of God's people said... 
That's a huge deal. We got to grasp that. It is so easy to start to try to muscle it ourselves, and that is not the plan, right? All right, so here we go, starting in verse 16. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. And we'll hold right there. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, we got to understand the context we're in, right? Whenever you're diving into a passage, grasp the context. And so just a few verses before this, as Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, he's talking about what it is to be saved. He's talking about the hope that we have through Jesus. But then he goes to talking about Moses and Israel when they were in the wilderness. And Moses having the glory of God Almighty pouring on him and his face beaming forth. He literally was in the presence of God in a way that caused him to shine so brightly that he had to put a veil over his face to kind of mask it down for the people as he came off the mountain. Man, that is a huge moment with his God. And as he talked about this veiling that's needed to be able to kind of block the glory, he sort of uses it now as an illustrate moving forward. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, right? Everybody say that's saved. He's talking about being saved here. He's like, when one is trusting Jesus Christ, when one is confessing that they need him, that he is king, that he is alive and risen, and he is Lord of their life. When one is saved, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. There's this confusion, this lack of seeing God's glory when we're not saved. But all of a sudden, when we're trusting Christ, boom, we start to see God as he is. And the veil is removed that was blocking the glory and now we grasp it and God's glory starts pouring on us. Our minds are no longer hardened. Our heart is no longer hidden from who he is. It says the veil is removed and it says now the Lord is the Spirit. Right? He talks about God the Spirit here. He's talking about the third person of the Trinity and God the Holy Spirit. He is also the Lord, right? There's three persons to the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. Everybody say, He is God. It's like, man, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Lord is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to be part of God's power at work in your life. The third person of the Trinity doing a massive work in you. He says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is a freedom for us that we can have. Just so we know, all of us as humanity, saved or unsaved, we long for freedom. We long to be released from. We long to not be under any kind of bondage. We long for freedom in every way possible. Freedom. It's a huge deal. And if you look at books, there's a lot of authoring that goes on about freedom. If you look into movies, you see it all over the place. There's one movie in very particular that ends up using that word freedom as it comes to the end of the movie, a Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart, and he cries out with one big cry, cry it with me. He cries the word freedom. And he just echoes it through, right? It's about this has to be what it's about. Yes, man freedom. We have hope. We have freedom through the Holy Spirit. Freedom of what? Freedom from our sin. Freedom from our selfishness. 
freedom from our, the flesh that just eats us alive inside, freedom from the penalty of sin. We have eternity with our God in heaven. Man, freedom from the penalty of hell. We don't have hell as our future. We have freedom. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal, man. He's like, may we know this, may we grasp this through our Holy Spirit. Yes, we have freedom. And he says, and we all with unveiled face, he's like, and we, the saved people, the church, we all the saved ones with unveiled face, God's glory beaming on us and now us beaming out. He says, beholding the glory of the Holy Spirit. In this ongoing present tense, beholding the glory, spending time grasping the glory and God and all that he is. Man, as we dive into God's word, seeing who he is, then taking time to just be in awe before him, beholding his glory. Think of it a lot like basking in the sun. We've used that illustrate before. Like going out in the backyard in your swimming suit, you don't care what the neighbors think, you're getting a tan, right? And as you go out in the backyard to get your tan, you're just basking in the sun. You kind of lay down in whatever way and you have that sun hitting you and you literally start to change right then and there. You start getting this color change that you so long for, right? And you bask and you get the tan. He's like talking about that. May we bask before the Holy Spirit, his glory like the sun beaming on us, changing us, transforming us as we bask in him and all that he is. And know this, our job is to know a little bit about what God's word says of who he is and his glory, and then be in awe and spend time in his presence. Be in awe and bask in the glory of him and watch him transform you in amazing ways. It says, beholding the glory of the Holy Spirit of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image. Our being transformed. Please notice our being in the ongoing present tense. Our being. We are in a process of being transformed. Everybody say it's a process. Yeah, say it louder. Say it with more conviction. Ready? It's a process. Man, know this. It is a process. We would love for it not to be. Like I got saved. Why am I not perfect? It is a process. We are being transformed. And notice it uses the word transformed in the Greek. This word here is a word that you've heard before. In the Greek, it's the word metamorphoso, right? We get the word metamorphosis from it. It means to change the very essence of, to change it. Basically, to have our heart changed from the inside, to have our mind changed from the inside, a true, real change transformation. Please note this, that is so different than the word confirmation. Transform is to change into something new. Conform is to take what you have and just sort of shape the outside, kind of like behavior modification. Just sort of like make yourself do it, right? Not conformed, transformed. Holy Spirit doing a work, you being changed because you bask in his glory. Please hear me on this, by the way. Conformed, shaping your outside, shaping the behaviors. Uh, just a little bit of biblical counseling insight here. A typical grasping down, forcing yourself to change will last somewhere around four to seven weeks. 
Four to seven weeks if you're like, I'm going to make this different. I will behave differently. And not a lot of weeks and it's going to just start to fade down as you sort of let go and it pops back, right? Just so you know, Satan can be just as good at conforming, forcing behaviors for a short period of time. We're not talking about conforming. We're talking about transforming, a change where God does the work, his power, his glory pouring on us, and we look different because we've been with him, him changing us, and it lasts forever. And all of God's people said, and he says he's changing us, he's transforming us into the same image. He's making us to look like Christ, to have the image of God Almighty. He's transforming us one little bit at a time. It says, from one degree of glory to another. From one degree to the next. One little bit at a time. Step by step. Everybody just say step by step. We are being transformed one degree at a time. It's a process. As he walks us along, as we spend time worshiping him, and he changes us one step at a time. He says, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Man, we have the Holy Spirit with us. Remember when Jesus was exiting, he's talking to the disciples, and he's like, look, as I go, I'm going to send one after me. The Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to convict. He's going to reveal what's sinful, what needs to go. He's going to lead. He's going to guide. He's going to be right there with you. And we're now told, and his power pouring over you will change you. One step at a time. Dude, that's what we're going after. Real life change. Not faking it along the way, but real life change. As the Holy Spirit pours his glory on and does a work in us. We're told this Holy Spirit, right, convicts and comforts and leads and transforms. So as you walk through this passage, there's a lot going on. Let's just summarize it up this way. Uh, I was talking to my wife this week. She does this in her counseling stuff. So just a good that we remember this, all right? So there's two things we do, three things God does, all right? Two things we do, three things God does. Here we go. Let's start at the top. The two things we do. The first thing we do. Turn to the Lord. Like just respond to him. Just hear who he is. Turn to the Lord saved. Like I believe and I confess you're in charge. That's our job. Just hear him and respond. As he's working in us, yes, Lord, I turn to you. Okay? That's first one. Second one, not just turn to the Lord, but behold the glory of the Holy Spirit. Behold the glory of the Lord. Be in awe of who your God is, okay? And we're going to talk more about what it means to behold him in just a little bit. But behold him. Be in awe of him. Spend time with your God saying, God, you are so awesome. Thank you for who you are, right? Those are your two jobs. Turn to the Spirit, turn to the Lord, and then behold the glory. Those are really not big jobs. That's like, what is your job in getting tan? Go out in the backyard and lay there, right? Like our job with this is to make sure that we are getting connected to and relating to our God, and that's it. Now here comes all the miracle work, ready? The three things God does. The three things God does. It says that God removes the veil. All of a sudden, he opens our eyes, 
Helps us to see who he is. Helps us to see his greatness, see his grandeur. He removes the veil. The second thing God does, God gives freedom. He helps break us away from our sin and our selfishness, from our flesh and all the rest of it. God gives us freedom. So there's God removing the veil, opening our eyes, God giving us freedom, and then the last one, and he transforms us one degree at a time. Do you notice that all the work of God is supernatural work? And all the work of us is just responding and listening and being attentive. Like God doing the massive supernatural work in our lives, the three things there, and us just coming to him. So our two turn to the Lord and behold him, his, removing the veil, giving us freedom and transforming us one degree at a time. And this is a huge deal, all right? So that said, illustrate. Let's uh, go after and illustrate. You ready, babe? And you were taking some serious notes. All right, there you go. So uh, we've used this illustrate before, but it's good that we just get the point again, right? So when we talk about changing ourselves, when we talk about going through life and we're like, let's go after life change, well, a lot of times we'll just start to say, all right, all right, all right. I know that I need to stop saying these words. I know that I need to stop having this temperament. I know that I need to stop going after whatever. And like, I got it, I got it. I understand. Let's just hang on. All right. I got it. And now we hold on. We're like, do you see? I fixed it. And then we start getting tired over the days and the weeks. We may even at home, you know, where you turn around and you let go of it for a little while. And then you squeeze it back down when you go out in public and you're like, got it. No, I have it. This is about four to seven weeks of this and it just starts to have its end. And at the end, as you start to let go of it, all that happens is it just goes right back to the way it was. This is not the life change we're talking about. Everybody say, not that. Dude, it's not about us trying to force it, muscle it, and hold on to the end. It's about God actually shaping and shaving pieces away. It's about him literally taking this away and putting a new thing in our hands. We are a new creation. Man, it is a transformation from the inside out. Your heart changed. Your wants changed. You're going after it with all you've got. That is our goal. Down with this plan where we crimp down and hold on tight. Down with this plan. It just always bounces back. May we respond to our king. May we trust our king. May we worship him and bask in his glory and watch him literally begin to remove one degree of glory at a time. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Ready, babe? All right. It worked twice, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Somebody in the third row may have gotten that in their face, so it's good. It worked out well. So simple question for you. So are you controlling the externals? Are you just squeezing down hard on the behaviors and the language and whatever and trying to change the whatever you want to change? Is it just your effort on you? Or are you ready to say, okay, Lord, I'm letting your spirit change me. I'm going to bask in your glory. Man, wherever it is you've got a sin struggle, just think of what God is like that's the opposite of that. Be basking in him in that. God, I praise you for how you are in that. And I'm going to celebrate you in that.
Are you letting his glory and his power change? Or are you trying to force it along the way? Okay. That's the first step. Transformation power. Second, transformation plan. The transformation plan. Behold his glory as you encounter, exalt, and engage. The transformation plan, or as we call it in our biblical counseling, the transformation triangle. It's encounter, exalt, and engage. This is where we spend time beholding his glory, where we worship him along the way, and he gives us some steps for it. How do we behold his glory? How do we worship him? That's what we're going to talk through here. Let's make it clear, all right? So we're coming from Philippians chapter 2, starting in verses 12 to 16, all right? Philippians 2, 12 to 16 is where we're going as we dive through this. And he's going to walk through some explanation of it. Let's just throw the triangle up first just to make sure we've got this. So if you've got notes on the way in, it's the picture on the bottom. But you can see the triangle up here, right? So you see the word encounter on the bottom left. This is like taking time in God's word to meet God in his word, to see who he is, to be basically understanding his character and his approach, his call to you to encounter your God in the word as you spend time. We talked about this last week, the steps to go through, just opa, right? Observation. What are some things going on? Use some, some of my words to put it down, but what's happening in that passage? And then timeless principles, the character of God that is true. That's the bridge that crosses over an application. So God, how can I go after that in my life as I worship you? To spend some time in Opa, in the word, encountering him. God, rock me with who you are. Show me who you are. And then from there, you take a step up to exalt, right? Don't go over to engage. You go up to exalt. God, may I be in awe of you. May I worship you. May I be stunned by you. May I celebrate who you are. And as you spend time in his presence, in his glory, his glory pouring on starts to change you. It's in the exalting where your life starts to take massive transformational change. Right? We're going to talk more about the word exalt in just a little bit. But just so you know, we go from encounter to exalt and then down to engage. Once God is being worshipped in that area, once we're celebrating him, his glory's pouring on, he's changing this part of me. There's going to be a change of my will, a call of action, and I step out in obedience with that. I cooperate with him. The engagement is cooperation with the work of the Spirit in me. All right? Now, just so we're super clear, and we've, I've said this in the first service too, the reality is a lot of us were born and raised in very, um, I'll just say, legalistic churches uh, where they would say, okay, spend a little time in the Word, encounter, now rush over to engage, just do it. And, and that's what we'll call muscling it, where we just crimp down. I know what God asked for, crimp down and hold on tight. That is the muscling it at the bottom, where you're just crimping down on the Nerf ball and hoping it holds for life. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. So we're not just reading it and running off and going to engage, right? It's God, as I read and encounter you, Lord, may I spend time worshiping you, exalting you, your glory pouring over me. And then I step out in a green, cooperating engagement. That's the plan. And all of God's people said, 
All right, so let's dive in, all right? Here we go. Um, As we go through Philippians chapter 2, he actually addresses the words in reverse order. He does the, okay, so let's say we're called to action. What will that look like? How do we get to it? And he works his way back from engage uh, up to exalt and then over finally to encounter. So walk with me backwards as we go through the backwards triangle. All right, here we go. Starting with engage, the call to action, right? This worshipful cooperation. He starts out, he says, therefore, and when we see the word therefore, we say, Yeah, what's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word, right? This is a word that's connecting. It connects back to the few verses before it where it talks about Jesus, who in his name is said, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's lifting up Jesus as ultimately over it all. Praise God, this massive statement of worship. But also, it's a looking forward. Look what he says. He says, therefore, my beloved brethren, As you have always obeyed, so now, not only uh, as in my presence, but much more in my absence. So he's like, look, as you've been obeying while I was there, you're starting to drift a little. And he's like, you're you're not getting it right now. You're drifting a little bit while I'm gone. Don't, Don't do that. He's like, hang on. Hang in there. Let's put it this way. Keep on keeping on. Right? That's what he's saying as he's like calling them to an action. He's like, my beloved brethren, as you have obeyed, so now keep it up. Like, yes, go after it. It's a call to action. If you stop there, it would sound like it's just read it, go do it. But that is not what's being said. And as we keep reading, we'll see it roll out. It says, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, right? Even when I'm not there, work out your salvation, Work out your salvation. Please notice it does not say work for your salvation. Everybody say not that. It does not say work for your salvation. The works do not earn salvation. The works do not keep salvation. But he says work out your salvation. Literally, if you have been given salvation, if you are saved, live that out. Live that to the full cooperate along the way. May your life and your works show that you know the God of the universe. Work out your salvation, right? This is a huge deal as he calls us to it. Where God works in us, may we cooperate. That's what he's saying. May we cooperate along the way. Work out your salvation, he says, with fear and trembling, with this awe, with this respect, with this reverence, with this worship, with a stunning appreciation for all that he is. Like that's what you're doing in the exalt time as you spend time stunned with who he is and all that he's doing in your life. So as we're called to engage, as we're called to go after these works, he's like, make sure we're working it out. We're cooperating with God as he's working in us. Okay, we got it? So our final point, the engaging point, is us saying, God, where you're at work in me, that's where I'm going to just flourish. Good? Okay. Now we go back one step uh, as he continues forward in the verses, and he says, okay, that was engaged, now comes exalt. Exalt, this is God's power unleashed upon my heart, right? So he starts out in verse 13, he says, for it is God who works in you. Hear that. It is God who works in you, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Hear this. 
We are celebrating, we are worshiping, we are stepping out in engagement because God is doing a work in us. God working in us is the thing that happens as we behold his glory. As we're in awe of who he is, he starts changing us. He takes the veil away. It's everything we just heard in 2 Corinthians 3. And as it talks about him doing a work, it says, both to will and to work of his good pleasure. Changing my will so I desire what God desires. Changing my heart to go after what he's wanting to go after. God, you doing a work in me so that I'm running after you with all I have. My desires given to me by God. Man, that is huge. Why do we obey with fear and trembling, with this understanding, with an awe and a respect of God? Because he's the one doing the work in us in the first place. He's doing this massive work in my heart and he's changing me and he's giving me a will and he's giving me the call to even action along the way. He impacts me from the inside out and he works in me and he calls me to go and be and do as he has done work in me. This is a huge deal. So this massive call out of going after and exalting with him, of spending time with him as God works in you. Well, how do we do it? Putting some verses together, here's like three steps, three ways to exalt your God, all right? Three ways to exalt your God. Here we go, ready? First one, we're gonna use the same word that was in 2 Corinthians 3. Behold him. Three ways to exalt your God is to spend time, first of all here, just spend time in awe of him, beholding him. The word behold just means look at him and see him for who he is. Be in awe. God, you are stunning. You are awesome. You are perfect. You are righteous. You are kind. You are glorious. Everything about you, right? Whatever facet of God that you're taking in, Man, celebrate and see him as he is. Behold him. Open your eyes. Open your heart's eyes. God, show me who you are. I worship you right now. So as we exalt him, yes, behold him is the first step. Here's another one. Be still. Be still. Man, you may have a storm brewing in your life. You may have heartache going that is absolutely life-altering, mind-staggering, you are hurting. And to just take a moment to breathe deep, hang on and be still. To trust your God in the middle of this mess that's washing on your shore and just say, okay, God, I'm trusting that you have this. May I be still and trust in the midst of your greatness, I'm handing this heartache to you. It's a huge moment as you spend time celebrating your God, behold, and now trusting your God, be still. In the face of all things washing on your shore, God, I trust you. Behold, be still, and then the third one, be filled. Be filled. You know, we talk about as believers that we have the Holy Spirit in us. But, but hear me on this. There's an amount of effect that the Holy Spirit has, and we can tend to resist. We can tend to squelch some of the Holy Spirit's impact in our life. Be filled is when we're like, Lord, I'm letting you take over. 
Be filled is when we say, God, okay, done with my sin. On with you and whatever you want. Man, if you want to be filled, it starts just by saying, Lord, please forgive me. Like whatever it is you've been holding on to, words you've been saying, actions you've been doing, hurts you've been bringing, stuff you know is wrong in whatever way, God, please forgive me. There is no way you are filled if you are continuing down the path of selfish sin. Ready? And all of God's people said, this is a huge deal to be filled as you saying, okay, Lord, down with sin. This needs to go. It's wrong. Please forgive me. Take over. Man, I'm telling you, the power and the glory of God Almighty will rock your world as you start setting down you and your flesh and saying, God, whatever needs to happen, you're in charge. You, you take over. This is a huge moment as we exalt him, just saying, Lord, I see you. I behold you. I'm basking in your glory. Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm handing you this heartache, this problem, this struggle, whatever it is, you take over. And God, down with this sin. I set it aside. I'm coming with you. May you fill me. Like scripture says, be filled with the spirit. Don't be filled with wine, right? It's like, be careful. Don't use some outside control mechanism for your soul. Make sure that you allow the Holy Spirit to take over from the inside to be filled with the Holy Spirit as he convicts, as he comforts, as he leads, and as he transforms along the way. And this is our call to exalt him and spend time breathing in and standing in and basking in the glory of him. Behold, be still, be filled. It's those three. Behold, be still, be filled. Everybody just say them with me. Say them out loud. Ready? Behold, be still, be filled. That is how we exalt in him. All right? Next step in the passage. He's like, okay, let me start putting it together. So if you're exalting him and your heart is being changed and then you're engaging as he is giving you a desire and he's moving you along a path, if you're going that way with exalt and engage, what will it look like? Here we go. He says, do all things then without grumbling or disputing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. To grumble, well, that's like whining, complaining, that's making sure you let everybody know how dissatisfied you are in this world. Grumbling, right? As we start to say, I can't believe, why would they even? It's so, right? And we get to be an expert on making sure everybody knows how dissatisfied we are. Grumbling, and then he says after it, disputing. A good word for disputing may be the word quarrel, the one we just looked at last week, where we take words and we argue against over and over and over again disputing along the way. He's like, make sure that there is no grumbling or disputing. Make sure that's been removed from your language and your approach. Make sure that you are going after your God from a full worship. Remember, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Maybe you could even say out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth spews. Like you can barely hold it back. It's just going to come roaring out. And so, God, do a work in me. 
Lord, be changing my heart. God, be transforming me from the inside. God, I bask in who you are. Lord, may your love, may your satisfaction, may your unbelievable, awesome perfection continue to pour into me. And as it does, my heart just starts to be shaped. And my heart starts spewing out less grumbling, and less whining, and less quarreling and disputing along the way. May we have a purified moment as God is doing a changing work in us and it works itself all the way out into our engagement, our action. Our exalting leads to an engagement that is God-honoring along the way. Some people read this passage and they immediately start to say, just force it. That is not what he's saying. He is not saying just force the no grumbling. He's saying spend time with your God. Let him change your will and your desire and watch good things happen. He says that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, blemish, changeless or changed, massive, blameless, innocent hope as God does this work in us, him changing us little by little, And hear me, you can say blameless and innocent in the end and eternity because we have heaven forever. But even in the moment, one little bit at a time as God is shaping and changing us, one degree at a time. Praise God for what we have in him. Man, we are a part of God's fam and we can celebrate that we have that. He says, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights. Please hear me. We have the light. Remember, we've looked at it several times through this series. But God's word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God's word is our light. And as we take God's word and dive into God's word, as we learn who he is, as we encounter him and then move to God, you are unbelievable. I behold you and I'm still before you. God, I I, want to be filled with you, done with sin. You take me. God's word leading us to on our knees, unbelievable worship, exalting him. I'm telling you the next thing, God's glory pouring on. He starts changing us one little bit at a time. And as we're being changed, All of a sudden, we cooperate and leap out into this world, engaging and following our God. And hear me, it says right here that you will shine as lights in this world. God gives us his light to rock our world and shape us and transform us so that we can be a light in this world. And notice what kind of world it calls it. A crooked and twisted generation. And all of God's people said... Dude, man, this is a hard, hard world. And you can be a light in this world as you take time in God's word. You let him wreck you with who he is. You spend time before him in awe. He starts changing you and you step out. Your will impacted, your call to action impacted. And as you engage for him, you are a light in this world. God's word rocking you. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. And God has a plan. It's called the transformation plan. And that's what it looks like to have exalt and engage come together. 
So how ultimately do we put God's word in it? Last verse here. This is the encounter piece. God's word revealing God's greatness. It says, holding fast to the word of life. Holding fast to the word of life. Cling with all you've got to God's word. To the word of life. The word that brings hope and eternity and life forever. Cling to God's word. Encounter. And watch God begin to shape you and move you as you exalt him and ultimately engage for him. It is all about him. And all of God's people said. So let's just do this. Let's just go back to the triangle one more time for a reminder. All right. Let's bring the triangle back up. So we'll start on the left again. Encounter. Hold fast to the word of life. Hold fast. Cling with all you've got to God's word. Spend time in his word. Opa. Right? Observation. Principle. Application. Encountering him in the word. God, who are you? What is the timeless truth about you? Get to know him there. And then as you encounter him, go to a time and exalt. I would say daily, regularly. God, this is you and your word, so God, I now spend time with you. And as you exalt him, behold, be still, be filled. I already said it, but I'll say it again. If you were raised in a more traditional church, this is the step you skipped. You went, here's what God's word says. Now go do it. And we call that muscling it. Everybody say it's a terrible plan. Right? So forget that plan. We're going to go from encounter to exalt. God, I want to behold you, look to you, be in awe of you. Lord, I want to be patient and trust you, be still before you in the midst of my heartache and what's washing on my shore. And God, I set my sin down. I want to be filled with you. Exalt your God and watch him start transforming you one degree at a time. From there, it launches into engaging, cooperating with your king as he does a work in you. And you will be a light in this broken world. And that's the plan. And all of God's people said, down with crimping down on the Nerf ball and holding tight with all you have. Up with spending time in his word, being blown away with who he is, thanking him, praising him, being patient before him and watching him do a work in you that leads to great works in this world that God may get all the glory. That's where we're going. May God get all the praise. Let's pray. 